Um, welcome to this uh, Sunday morning, which in my diary is the 5th of July, but in the audience, <coughs> the 4th of July, so maybe we're a day late. Uh, who, who knows? But anyway, very warm welcome. Um, we are, as usual, uh, taking our service on Zoom. I'm Dave Grimshaw, I'm the duty elder today, so you'll only hear from me for a few seconds. Our service now. Worship today is being led by Steve Earhart, who's also our church secretary, as I'm sure everybody knows. So there are people joining us on all sorts of devices on Zoom, uh, tablets and smartphones, computers, and for all I know nowadays, internet fridges and things like that. And there are people also joining uh, on audio uh, via, via their phones as well. Everybody's extremely welcome. There's probably one or two people joining us uh, on the live YouTube link. Very warm welcome to you. And if you're watching on Catch Up on uh, YouTube uh, after today, uh, that will be available a few hours after the service. You'll be watching a lightly edited version of the service if it's typical. Everybody is welcome. We're here to have fellowship together in the spirit of God and to worship God. A um, few uh, notices for people. Um, there is the church newsletter, uh, as usual, and the church website, thomasrisley.org. Uh, they're the places to go um, for uh, the latest. Uh, a piece of news which really has been uh, imposed on us by Zoom is that from this is the last service that we'll be able to join without going through a waiting room. So Zoom have stepped up their security measures. So next week, however you connect with us on Zoom, when you first connect, instead of just being able to get straight in and see uh, a lovely gallery of faces, um, you'll be put into a waiting room, which is kind of like call screening, really. So just so we can check you out. So if we don't like the look of you, um, you won't be let in. Uh, if we do like the look of you and you know the right password and you've paid the right person the right fit. No, I'm only joking. But just obviously just be aware that it will be slightly different as from next week. And um, it, it's a good thing, but it's it's something that Zoom are imposing on all their users um, uh, in, an, in an in a bid to increase security. So that will be happening as from next week. Um, other than that, I don't think there's anything further needed from me at the moment, so I'll pass straight over to Steve. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. Um, one other point that Dave didn't mention is that we will be having communion this morning. So if you uh, if you are able, if you haven't already, if you're able to get yourself a small drink, it doesn't have to be wine. Um, and a small piece of food. It could be bread, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, just whatever you've got to hand. Uh, there will be a song before communion, so uh, you can you can nip out then if if you need to nip out. That's probably a, probably an easy time. Um, other than that, just to echo Dave's welcome. Um, and shall we just start with a short prayer? Father, the gospel calls us to turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. As we offer ourselves to him in penitence and faith, as we, we renew our confidence and trust in his mercy. We cast our burden upon you, Lord, and know that you will sustain us. We turn to you and rest and know that we are saved. 
in quietness, we know and trust that you are our, our strength. Father, where we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought or word or deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of our sins for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for all. Please forgive us. Amen. And now I'll invite the Nixon family to bring us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Uh, and now it's the wonderful time in our service where we ask if anyone has got a birthday or has had a birthday uh, in the recent past to whom we haven't sung happy birthday to. Word of warning, if you're going to own up, you get me singing happy birthday to you. So now's the time if you want to. I'm having a look. Have we got anybody raising a hand anywhere? Anybody waving? Oh, you wise people keeping it quiet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> on to you then, Steve. Thank you, Dave. You're lucky. <laughs> um, let's have our Bible readings, please. I think we've got Fiona and Brian. Sorry, the first reading is Psalm 145, verses 8 to 14. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. Amen. The uh, second reading is from Matthew 11, verses 16 to 19 and 25 to 30. To what can I compare this generation? They are like sit children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, 
a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The father revealed in the son. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble and in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Thanks, Graham. So that second reading is from Matthew chapter 11. And I just thought it would be useful just to start by describing a little bit about what happens before that reading in Matthew chapter 11 to get a little bit of context. So chapter 11 starts where John the Baptist has sent his disciples to speak to Jesus and to ask Jesus, are you the one or is there someone else who's coming? Which is a little bit strange because if you remember or have read, um, when John the Baptist baptised Jesus, he proclaimed that Jesus was the one. He, He was very confident about that at the time. So it sounds like maybe he was having a few doubts. But Jesus said to his disciples, go back and tell John what you hear and what you see. They were told about many of Jesus's miracles, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead and how he proclaimed the good news. Um, So when Jesus had told the disciples, he then turned to the crowd and he spoke to the crowd that that had gathered about John the Baptist. Um, And he explained that John had been sent to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was telling them all about him and everything that he did. And and this is where the reading starts. So at the start of this reading that Brian just gave us, Jesus is kind of complaining that however the message is presented, people won't engage and won't listen and won't join in. So he says, you know, where... John was very solemn, he had his old sackcloths on, he only ate ate sort of honey that he was able to forage. People didn't want to engage with that. And when Jesus came, he was sort of more joyful. And, you know, we hear the the sort of the the story of the wedding at Cana and things like that. And people still don't want to engage. So this is the sort of context when he's saying then at the beginning of that, that thing we played a pipe for you and we did and you did not dance we sang a dirge and you did not mourn so he's saying that that nobody was engaging or people weren't engaging and and he goes on to say for john came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon so uh, and then the son of man or jesus came eating and drinking and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners so it's telling it's just saying that whichever end of the spectrum or however people however the message is passed on we we don't really engage with it or the people at the time didn't engage with it maybe we don't as well sometimes and then the reading skips a bit so that bit in the middle that 
that Brian didn't read, that's really where Jesus is saying to all the towns that have ignored his message. So, you know, he's saying these people aren't, aren't, aren't engaging, they aren't, are ignoring the message. And he's lists some of the towns that, that have ignored the message and really so, you know, he's warning them really that, that, they, that, they, that they should do, that things are going to be bad if they choose to ignore him. Um, and then we pick up again at that verse 25, um, where Jesus is continues still addressing the crowd. And he says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And I, I, some of the some of the I found, you know, as I've been sort of. Um, thinking and praying and reading about these passages preparing for today I found some of it really quite quite difficult and and I wonder with that that little bit of a passage those couple of verses I wonder if he's been a little bit provocative a little bit sort of saying you know it kind of reminds me of the emperor's new clothes story it's not quite the same but you know he's sort of saying children can understand this but you clever people can't um I just wonder there whether he's been a bit provocative. Um, and it's probably especially applied to religious leaders at the time, because, you know, the really, he, was, he was quite keen on being critical of the way that the religious leaders at the time interpreted, interpreted the Bible, interpreted the word. But then he says, All things have been committed to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And again, that, that's quite difficult because it's sort of saying, no matter what we do, if, if Jesus doesn't choose to reveal God to us, then we're not going to see him. And you sort of think, well, why wouldn't he choose to reveal? Um, but I think maybe it's a two-way street as well. So, you know, I think that... Jesus wants to reveal to us and he wants us to engage and, you know, going back to what he said at the beginning about, about how the message was being presented or how people were listening or not listening. I think we've got to engage. I think it's telling us we need to, we need to read our Bible. We need to spend time in prayer. Uh, but maybe there's a little bit of a book that says we're not going to, you know, none of us are going to know everything about Jesus or about about God there's going to be always other people who picked up things that we haven't and we should still listen to others and and talk to others and and engage now the read this reading then ends with a couple of very famous verses um probably the bit that I found the most difficult surprisingly perhaps and it says come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I think if you take that, that last little bit, particularly that, that verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I I've kind of often thought that was trying to say to us, if we follow Jesus, 
if we are good Christians, then life will be perfect. Life will be easy. And, uh, and if we believe, and, and I think, well, maybe I'm not that great a Christian, but I do try and I do believe. And life isn't always easy. And actually, sometimes it can be really quite difficult. So what does it mean then? So I thought, you know, perhaps if we just spend a few minutes just thinking about what that what that means. So firstly, if you're not sure what a yoke is, and it's not something we see so much these days, it's kind of a big wooden beam that sits across the backs or across the shoulders of large animals like oxes. Um, and it would usually have, there would usually be two of them and this beam would go across the two animals and it'd be used so that they could pull a heavy load. Um, you can get them just for one animal, but you often, most often they're for two animals. So this is where the, this is sort of the first bit of the paradox and I guess where I, where I struggle. So the yoke is by definition difficult because it's used to carry a really heavy, or to pull a really heavy load or heavy burden. But Jesus says the yoke is easy and the burden is light. So if it's easy and light, why say, why say it's a yoke at all? Why not? Why not just say, you know, come to me, my balloon is nice and light and easy and fun. Um, obviously, there weren't balloons then, but you know what I'm saying, I hope. So I think the re one of the reasons that he used that analogy is because for the people at the time that Jesus was speaking, they would have talked about the yoke of the law. So um, when people uh, came of age, Jews came of age and they had their bar mitzvah, they would have considered themselves taking on the yoke of the law at that point. They would have said that they were they were taking the yoke of the law. And it was recognising that living under God has personal obligations and expectations. And that's no different than it is for us. You know, when we make our promises to be members of the church, we accept the gift and cost of following Jesus, for example. Um, for bias, for bias, for pious Jews, for for the most religious, or for many religious Jews, this putting on the yoke actually was a was a really joyful experience and welcome. If you read Psalm 119, you get a sense of the delight um, of following God's law. You know, the keeping of the commandments was life giving and. And actually wouldn't really have been seen by Jews as a massive burden. Um, Jesus himself was a Jew and he would have he would have assented to this. And, you know, he said that he follows wanted to follow the laws himself and he wasn't taking away the laws. But there is a problem. And one of them, the problem is. Is that there's kind of two bits to the law. There's what's written in the Bible. So if you take what they would call the law was like the first five books of the Bible, it's sometimes called the Torah. And this was the law that was given by God to Moses. It includes the Ten Commandments um, and was considered good. But there was also the what they, what they call the oral law or the, the traditions of the elders. So the Pharisees, they, they interpreted all the laws. So if you take one of the Ten Commandments about following the Sabbath, it says that you can't work on the Sabbath. So what does work mean? Well, Instead of just each individual Jew in, or each individual person interpreting what the Sabbath meant to them and what work meant to them, the Pharisees were very prescriptive and they decided that, for example, if you wanted to go for a walk on the Sabbath, 
that if you worked more than two, if you walked more than 2000 stadia, which is about three quarters of a mile, then you were working. Um, so if you walked half a mile, that was okay. That was leisure. That was fine. You were allowed to do that. If you walked more than three quarters of a mile, you'd broken the law. And it wasn't just that rule. There were thousands of these rules, thousands and thousands of them. And it wasn't like, well, these are the, you know, the stuff in the, in the Bible, these five, five, first five books, they're the most important rules. And then to help you understand them, you could use these other guidelines. They were all given the same weight and the same authority. And so Jesus did describe these oral laws, the man-made rules, as a burden, um, a burden that was very heavy to bear. And there's lots of, you know, lots of examples. As you read your Bible, you'll see that there's lots of examples where Jesus gets annoyed with the Pharisees for the way that they interpret the law. Um, and they take, they take this sort of amazing set of guidelines or rules to live your life by that, that God had given to Moses and, in, and in, you know, in the first five books of the Bible. And they've converted them into thousands and thousands of rules that are just impossible follow so when jesus is saying then come to me all you are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest in your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light i think what he's saying to them is that if we follow jesus he will take us back to basics he will take us back to the, to the love of god and the love for our neighbor with Jesus, it's more important to follow the spirit of the law than the letter of the law. We don't need a rabbi to interpret the law for us. Instead, we need to interpret the law in a way and respond to people and situations in a way that's led by love. Now, that's not saying that this that Christianity is a walk in the park. It's not saying that we don't have to, we can just do what we want. Um, you know, truly to love God and truly to love our neighbour is costly. Um, and Jesus gave us the ultimate demonstration of that, you know, in his life, his compassion, his healing, his preaching, his teaching. And then obviously the way he died and, and his attainment and, you know, uh, sorry, his atonement, his act of atonement, um, his sacrifice that cost him his life for us. But in the midst of all that, he did bring great joy. He brought hope. He healed. He restored. He's the one who said over and over again, don't be afraid. Cheer up. God's rule is coming. God's rule is here to put things right. Um, and religion is the, is the loving response to that vision of love and holiness that we call God and, and the values that he provides with his rule. That fantastic phrase near the end that says, um, rest for your souls. It, it's something like at the very centre of our being, I think, you know, something right in the heart of us that knows and experiences the gift and, promise, and that promise of rest. In the midst of the storms, Jesus was at rest. And, and that sense of communion with God 
that becomes a free response of love for God and love for the neighbour. It, it's like, I'm using too many words now, I know, but it's the, um, the, the, the if, when you've got at the heart, um, actually, let me just say, that, so St. Paul in Romans said, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. So at the end of the day, I think that what, what it comes down to is, is our relationship with God that's formed through prayer and it's prayer where we receive from God we build that relationship with God and open ourselves up to the love and truth of God as I've been praying over the last couple of weeks about this morning service and I've been reading the, these readings and researching them the, there's one image that's really kept coming back to me um, of that yoke and you know, I mentioned that the yoke, although the, a yoke can be for a single animal, the more common yoke is, and you can probably picture it, and if you can't, look it up on Google or something afterwards, but it's like a, the beam that goes across the two animals, the, the, say the two ox. And, and, and I think the picture for me that I keep, that I've kept sort of seeing is that it's that, it's that dual yoke. So, so yes, perhaps I'm, on, on one side of it but on the other side of it is Jesus so to me what it means is that you, it doesn't mean that we don't have to lift the, the heavy burden it doesn't mean that we don't have to go through the difficult stuff what it means is we don't have to do it alone we can do it with Jesus and he can take the brunt of it with us and for us um, and I think that that that's the perhaps the image that I'd like to leave you with is you know, you're not, whatever you're going through, you're not on your own, you know, good or bad. Um, and you, could, you put on that yoke and, and let Jesus help take the strain. I think that's, that's it. Amen. Um, I'm going to invite Kate now to bring us our prayers for the local community and wider world. Um, and then there'll be a song. So just a reminder, if you don't have the food or drink for communion if you nip out during the song and um, you can uh, you can nip and get something there thank you steve thanks Kate. i'm going to start and end the prayers today with some words from psalm 46 god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble we thank you, Lord, for being with us every step of the way over the last few months as we've been introduced to a very different world, unimaginable to most of us prior to COVID-19 arriving on our doorstep. We pray as we begin to exit lockdown that we and those in other parts of this country will continue to behave sensibly to keep this dangerous virus at bay until a cure or vaccine is found. We pray for everyone returning to work, that they are able to feel safe in their workplace and when travelling to and from work, especially remembering those who have to travel on public transport and remembering those who drive that transport or fly that transport. 
we give thanks that most of us can begin to see family members again and exercise freely whilst remembering the people of Leicester who are still in lockdown and also remembering those who must still shield themselves even as the rest of us gain some freedom back. We pray Lord God that you keep them safe and give them the resilience they need to see this troubled time through. We remember and lift to you all who work in the NHS, especially at this time when we remember its formation and come together to clap again today at 5pm. We pray for the teachers and support workers who are currently devising new ways of working so that our children can return to school safely. Some are going in for a short time this term, most in September. We give thanks for the work that they've done throughout this lockdown, preparing work packs or delivering online learning. And we also give thanks for all those involved in producing and presenting TV, radio and online programmes to teach subjects such as history, math, music and exercises to keep our children engaged by using these innovative methods. We also give thanks for the willingness of church folk to bring and lead services online, to prepare children's packs, run prayer groups, house groups, toddlers, treats, and any other group I failed to mention. And we lift these people and our congregation to you, Lord. We pray for those struggling with life, for those facing life-changing decisions, perhaps medical, or maybe due to loss of a job. We lift to you the churches and businesses who are struggling with loss of income and who are unsure of the path ahead. We pray for those facing sickness and infirmity and for those who are suffering the loss of a loved one remembering especially those named on our prayer chain and in our prayer meetings. Lord, encircle them with your assuring peace and bring them your healing touch. We pray for church members and visitors alike who come through our door, real or virtual, and we especially remember the United Reformed Church Mission Council, who in the absence of General Assembly are meeting this week to look at some of the decisions that would have gone before General Assembly. And we're lifting them to you, Lord, praying that the decisions they make will ensure that your will is done. We pray that we can align our mission and purpose with yours. Grant us strength to persistently shine your light in our community. Now, in a moment of silence, we name and lift to you 
the cares, the concerns and the burdens of our hearts. Lord, I'm reminded of the words that Steve said. Help us to remember we don't sh shoulder our burdens alone. You are by our side, there to take the strain. And so we pray, Lord, that you are alongside us in tough times. Eternal one, together we pray in faith. We lift our eyes to you, maker of heaven and earth, for it is in you that we find our help. Bless us and those for whom we pray. We bring our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen.
Let us at many tables receive the gift of God, the bread of heaven. Let's eat. Let us in many places receive the gift of God, the cup of blessing. Let's drink. Let's say those words together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, we have come unto you with our weariness and we have let go in all, of all in our lives that is heavy. We thank you for the rest and strength of this communion. So now we can lift up all that is light and gentle, humble and easy, and learn from you how to change the world. Amen. We're going to finish now with a song and then Dave will lead us in the grace and afterwards the virtual prayer room will be opened and there'll be someone there if you want to pray or be prayed for. Love.
say the grace together you can unmute or leave yourselves muted as you wish but um let us join together in the grace <laughs> may the grace 